Welcome to the Big Play, Big Play Cleveland Show. I'm Gabriela Cruz alongside Nick Padone, Chris McNeil. Getting off on a, a weird foot already, you know. We're kind of in mourning over the Browns and everything. McNeil, you and I were on the same wavelength. Got to bring the black in today. That's right. That's right. Planning a little bit for a funeral today, unfortunately, after the rough weekend for our Cleveland Browns, ending their playoff run in unceremonious fashion, I'd say. Yeah, definitely unceremonious. I mean, I think all of us in here were very optimistic on Monday, you know, even yeah. more optimistic as the week prolonged. So definitely kind of upsetting about what happened on Saturday against the Houston Texans. Did not see it coming at all. Quick question for you guys, because this was sort of floating around on Twitter. It's funny to see how in the moments of crumbling, everyone's immediate reaction on Twitter in the Browns fan base. Would you have rather have lost a heartbreaker or... <laughs> to see what unfolded with us yeah what, 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 I was just curious what side you guys were on the neither <laughs> neither the I would have rather death of two pick sixes by Joe Flacco to start off the second half and then you know it's over yeah was that or the missed field goal by a backup field goal kicker that's the question right there either way it's still a loss it still hurts today but uh no, it doesn't make it any better. Yeah, it yeah, really I don't think that's no. just an outcome. Everyone was debating. I'm like, I just think that it all sucks. <laughs> yeah, you. I mean, you were favored to win that ball game on the road. That meant, you know, Vegas odds makers, our guys at Tipico, were very confident that the Browns were going to win that game, and it was a letdown, whatever way that you spin it. And I know we talked last week, Chris, about house money. You know, was it just a feel-good thing for the Browns to be there with all of these backups? I'm not too sure. I think right now the Browns have some questions that need answered, and I don't know that it was house money because we put up with such a gigantic headache to get back to that spot, and you hate to waste an opportunity once you're back there. And I was on the opposite end. I was saying kind of they were playing with house money. I didn't expect them, though, to go in the casino on Saturday and not only lose the house money but also the house at the end of the day because we <laughs> lost more than we walked into. I did not expect that kind of a blowout. Well, you know, we have questions, but we also have some good questions for our special guest we're going to bring in. So let's go to break and we'll bring back our, our guest. Yeah, let's do it. Welcome back to the Big Play Cleveland Show. I'm Gabriella Cruz alongside Nick Padone, Chris McNeil. It is time for our Lipton Tea Time. We do have Browns questions, and today we are bringing in writer for Pro Football Talk, Miles Simmons. Thanks so much for joining us. Miles, oh, what's pleasure, up? Guys. My pleasure. Nice to be here. Oh, not too much. You know, I, I got the black memo, you know? I, yep, I guess you we're all in you know, going to the Browns Memorial. Yes, we are all in mourning. So, you know, I'm glad I got that memo. Let's start right there. Who deserves the most blame for what happened there on Saturday for the Cleveland Browns? Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick for injuring <laughs> Nick Chubb in week two. Now, I mean, I don't know. It, look, it, it's Joe Flacco when you throw two pick sixes that in a row. Like, that, that's extraordinarily hard for any team to overcome. And, you know, I, I guess when you look at the Browns season in totality, it's kind of a miracle that they were in the playoffs in the first place. Right, the fact that they won 11 games starting five different quarterbacks over the course of the season, whether you want to count Jeff Driscoll or not, I don't really care. I mean, it, it still counts as a start in the record books. So, you know, it, it's a credit to Kevin Stefanski and the entire football operation, you know, Andrew Berry, of course, as well, that the Browns were even in that game in the first place. But, I mean, going into the weekend, the, the concern that I had with the Browns was whether or not Joe Flacco would turn the ball over. Because it had been a problem, right? Eight picks over the course 
of his time with the Browns and in the regular season. And when those things start to rear their ugly head in the postseason, that's what happens. You know, you get bounced. So it was it was sad from that standpoint, but defensively as well, when that's the kind of result that you get out there, that's also an issue. And it's something that the Browns are going to have to look at going into 2024. I want to talk real quick, Miles, about that defense because we thought all year long that it was a really good defense and then maybe some of the questions later in the season started to creep in. Can this defense travel? You know, Can they play just as well on the road? Really good at home, really bad it felt like at times on the road and then ultimately led to the meltdown that we saw from them in Houston. How do they figure that out though? Because obviously it doesn't seem like Jim Schwartz is going anywhere. He's not going to be hired away as a head coach and probably definitely not going to get fired after how dominant the Browns were at times defensively. So how do they figure that part of it out to be able to travel? It seems kind of weird. Yeah, it was kind of weird. And, you know, when you talk about teams going into the postseason, usually you say pack your run game and pack your defense. But the, the Browns defense just had not played as well as it did at home on the road throughout the course of the 2023 season. I, I don't really know exactly what's t- blame for that obviously crowd noise and crowd electricity if you want to call it that that helps when you're at home but there are some things that they just need to be able to do better on the road I mean when you're going up against a young quarterback like CJ Stroud who I think is already playing himself into the elite conversation that obviously doesn't help you right I mean the the fact that the Browns could have played the Jacksonville Jaguars if the Jaguars had just shown up in Nashville, you know, in week 18, like that also kind of eats at your craw a little bit, at least, you know, my mind is yeah. a Cleveland native, like, man, if that had been the matchup, I think the Browns would have been way better off even being on the road. But, you know, when you go up against a team that had also just faced you a couple of weeks before, and then you understand a little bit as uh, the Texans did what you need to do to attack particular spots in that defense. Like there was nothing that the Browns really could have done. I was going to surprise Bobby slow with the offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. So that's part of it. Um, and, and I think that the Browns are going to be okay defensively. Certainly there's probably going to be some regression going into next year. They're not going to have the statistical kind of big, big, big things, but I think that the Browns are on the right track when it comes to just the system. It's, being able to make sure that uh, you're on your P's and Q's as much as you need to be. You can still have that aggressive nature um, from every single spot on defense because it looked like JOK at points was the only guy who was turning it up to 11. And that's really the way you've got to be at every point in time once you make it to the postseason. Let's talk about that. Their inability, it seemed, to get any pressure on C.J. Stroud. Miles Garrett here. A lot of talk about his Decembers here the last few years, whether he's completely healthy and why he kind of trails off at the end of the season. What did you see out of that defensive line, and what did you see out of Miles Garrett on Saturday? Well, I I thought that, A, the Texans had a great plan against him, and, and B, you know, one of the things that I think really helps a young quarterback is when they've got a really good left tackle, right? And, you know, Laramie Tunsil is a really good left tackle, and so – that's part of it, you know, when you know you're going up against somebody like that and you're going up against an offensive line that's got a good plan of how to combat you, then that is going to be one of the things where it's like, all right, well, is he going to be able to get breakthrough regardless? 
Now, that's tough if they're sending everything at you. It, it really comes down to can the other players along that defensive line, along that pass rush, also be effective. So, you know, when a team makes that concerted effort to be like, hey, this guy is not going to beat us, then the other players have to be able to step up. And we just didn't really see that. And again, I think, you know, Slowick's plan was great. The execution from C.J. Stroud was that much better. I mean, he is a really, really good young quarterback. He understands how to navigate the pocket, how to make plays in the face of pressure, right? So when, you know, people talk about quarterback pressures and la, 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 and how that's one thing. Like, okay, I understand that pressures do influence and affect the way quarterbacks react, right? But the thing about a pressure versus a sack is, a quarterback can still make a play off of a pressure, right? A sack ends the play. And so when you're not getting the sacks, when you're not getting to the quarterback and finishing it, these are the kinds of things that elite quarterbacks can do to you. They can still bust you apart. I mean, the bigger issue, though, to me, is just the missed tackles, right? Yeah. That 176-yard yeah. touchdown, like, what, what, what's going on here, you know? And that, to me, is where you have to say, all right, those kinds of things did not happen at home. Why were they happening on the road? Coverage bust, that'll happen sometimes, but you got to be able to rally and pursue and then get guys down to the ground so that you live to see another day as a defense. The Browns just didn't do that on Saturday. Yeah, Miles, you talked a lot about C.J. Stroud and being in this elite conversation and some of the characteristics that make him special. What else do you think stands out to you, and do you think he'll be the rookie of the year off, or offensive rookie of the year? I, I do think he'll be the offensive rookie of the year. I think he solidified that in that game against the Colts in week 18, where, you know, you come out and you have a 75 yard touchdown on the first play. It was thrown right in stride to Collins. I mean, like that's, that's something that you just don't see very often. And, and Puka Nakua obviously had a tremendous rookie year and any other season other than this, where you get CJ Stroud leading his team to uh, a, a, an AFC South championship, right? Like that, that would tilt the scales to Nakua, but just based on the way CJ Stroud has been able to come in there and lead and lead so well. And, you know, you pair him with a first year head coach in D'Amico Ryans and the two of them just seem to have a really, really good synergy. It's interesting. You, you look at him, he's 22 years old, but he just has the presence of somebody who is not that young, Right. It's really, really kind of interesting to me to see not just, you know, the qualities that he exhibits on the field where he's playing so well, but also the leadership traits that he has shown with the Houston Texans. That's something that they needed, obviously, over the last couple of years. And now that they have it, I, I don't put anything past him, right? We don't know yet as we sit here and record this if they're going to be going to Kansas City or if they're going to be going to Baltimore to play their next game. But, man, I'm telling you – I. There's no reason why C.J. Stroud cannot go on the road and win a playoff game if he continues to play at the high level where he's at right now. All right, question for you here, and it's a doozy. Are, are we kind of all in lockstep here understanding that maybe the Texans were able to rob the Browns with a little bit of a toy gun and won that trade for Deshaun Watson? Since I get that C.J. Stroud didn't come from that draft pick, but that trade put them in a position to get a guy like C.J. Stroud. Uh, we don't know. I mean, it's hard to say. I, look, I, I don't know what Deshaun Watson is anymore. I, I mean, if he is the guy that completed every single pass in the second half of that game against Baltimore and beat the AFC number one seed on the road in their stadium, if Deshaun Watson's that guy, 
for 2024 and beyond, then the Browns got exactly what they wanted out of that trade. You need somebody who is going to be able to go toe-to-toe against the likes of Lamar Jackson, right? Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, you know, um, Josh Allen in the AFC. That's just the way this conference is. It's loaded. And now, yeah, I think we've got to put C.J. Stroud in that conversation, especially given what we saw in the opening round of the postseason. But, you know, I don't – the Texans came out ahead in some ways, yes, because we already know that C.J. Stroud can be elite. We don't know if Deshaun Watson's going to be able to get back to that. But – I mean, if the Browns had to say, can we do we do this all over again? I mean, you have to be bold sometimes at that position in order to try and make things better. I don't want it to get lost in the shuffle like how bad Baker Mayfield was in 2021, especially at the end there. And you can say, oh, my gosh, you know, the shoulder injury that affected him. Yes, it did, obviously. But that that partnership between the Browns and Baker Mayfield was broken at that point. So then you have to ask yourself, well, what were the options? Well, Deshaun Watson. Jimmy Garoppolo, Matt Ryan, probably the top three quarterbacks at that time, you know. So did the Browns make the right choice with the one that they got? I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo was benched for Aiden O'Connell this year. Matt Ryan was awful with the Colts in 2022. I don't I don't know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it is definitely fair. It's fun to discuss. Hey, Miles, hang on with us. We're going to step aside. But when we return, want to get some of your thoughts about some of the head coach openings around the league. Don't go anywhere. More of the Big Play Cleveland show right after this. Welcome back to the Big Play Cleveland show right here on the Big Play Network. I'm Nick Padone. She's Gab Cruz. Chris McNeil with us in studio as well. We are joined by pro football talk writer Miles Simmons. Great conversation about the Browns um, in the last segment. I wanted to get some of your thoughts, Miles, on some of these head coach openings. After what we saw on Sunday night from the Cowboys, you got to expect Bill Belichick to be in play out there in Dallas. And then we've heard Atlanta and some of the other likely spots for Bill too, right? Yeah, you know, with Bill Belichick, I I just – I think that the one thing that really did put him in play in Dallas was the one thing that happened, right? I I don't know that Jerry Jones is as inclined to hire Bill Belichick as everyone on social media might think based on conversations that I've had with people who know the Cowboys very, very well and know that organization very, very well. It like Bill Belichick, I think would like to coach the Cowboys. I think it is probably the most ready-made situation that he could step into, but Jerry Jones, I think, has almost a bigger decision than that, right? It's not just can Bill Belichick come in and be effective and, you know, turn the offense into something more consistent, be great on the defensive game plans, et cetera. It's is that the right guy, not just for now, but for years down the road. And in my mind, that makes Mike Vrabel a more attractive head coaching option than Bill Belichick. I mean, frankly, if I were an NFL owner and I'm not, I don't think I would hire Bill Belichick right now because what has Bill Belichick done since Super Bowl 53 beating the Rams with a tremendous defensive game plan that makes you feel like, oh, yeah, this is the right guy to lead our entire football team, right? I mean, the last time we saw Bill Belichick in the playoffs, they got absolutely waxed by the Buffalo Bills, all right? And that was in 2021. And then we saw him make some horrendous coaching decisions putting Matt Patricia and Joe Judge in charge of the offense and effectively ruined Mac Jones's career, right? If 
if not completely ruined it, it's totally derailed. Yeah. Those are things that just make me feel like Bill Belichick is not the right man to be a head coach in 2024. I'm, I'm sorry. And I don't think that that takes away from him being the greatest head coach of all time. He is. But if it were me, I wouldn't want what's next, right? And Mike Vrabel, we've seen, has had his team ready to play in really, really critical situations. I mean, they were starting a rookie quarterback for most of the year. They go down to Miami and they beat the Dolphins and really throw the Dolphins season completely off kilter. Yep. Uh, they defeat the Jacksonville Jaguars in week 18, prevent them from getting into the playoffs. So those are things that would at least be on my mind if I were Jerry Jones looking at McCarthy. But McCarthy probably has to go. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> a lot of fun. How about this? Do you think Joe Flacco gets a realistic shot? It's a starting job somewhere in the National Football League, get that it's probably not going to be here in Cleveland. That ship has probably sailed. But do you think that there's really a market for Joe Flacco, or is that kind of just all all the, the the hype of the fun run that the Browns had? Yeah, I think that's I think that's more hype, yeah. right? I think that's more hat than cattle. If we want to stick with Texas stuff, um, I I just I, when you turn the ball over as much as Joe Flacco did, I, that's just one of those things where you say, okay, like we can't have a starting quarterback turn the ball over that much. You just can't. And I think that Joe Flacco is a very valuable veteran backup to have on your squad. If you need him to get you through a couple of games, that probably can still happen, right? But I don't think that anybody should be relying on Joe Flacco to start 17 in 2024 when he's going to be 39 years old. That doesn't sound like a very good idea to me. But veteran backup, yes, absolutely, because he brings a lot that is just uh, really, really, really good when it comes to you know veteran presence and all that. What are the chances that he comes back to Cleveland as a backup here? I don't know that they're great um, because – yeah, just the situation that the Browns are in. And, you know, you still have Dorian Thompson-Robinson, right. who the Browns clearly do believe in um, as a backup for the future. But, you know, I mean, it's not completely off the table. I don't think that that would necessarily be a bad thing. But I also do think that he could probably get a better offer elsewhere than he would in Cleveland when it comes to salary, just based on the good things that he did in December. Yeah, that's fair. What do you think the Browns contender window looks like now? You know, we heard so much that this was a big year for it. This was very important to at least make the playoffs. Okay, now they did that. You get Deshaun Watson back, but Miles Garrett, Nick Chubb, Deshaun Watson, these guys aren't getting any younger. Joel Batonio definitely already getting up there. From a national lens, Miles, what do you think this Browns contender window really looks like? Well, I I mean how long is the Deshaun Watson contract, right? You know, you got a couple, a few more years after this one. And it's interesting because, you know, he is really the key to this, right? If Deshaun Watson plays great, then the Browns are going to be perennial contenders. That's just the way this league works. If he's not, then the Browns are going to have to start again. I think the good thing is, especially with this year and the way things worked out, you understand that you've got the right coach in place. Right? You understand that you have the right general manager in place because when a team goes through everything that the Browns went through, losing your best player in week two and still being able to win 11 games, make it to the playoffs, you know, losing your starting quarterback as you did, not having your starting quarterback be healthy for most of the time that he was even on the field. Like Those are all things that the Browns can build upon. So, yeah, next year, critical. 
right? You want to really be a contender in the AFC next year. And then we'll see after that. But I mean, next year is the most important year because it's the one that's coming up, you know, one and oh, right? It's the Browns always say, <laughs> well, let's make sure we get 2024 right. Yeah. Miles, what are your thoughts on Kevin Stefanski and what do you think his trajectory is? Oh, I, I have tremendous respect for Kevin Stefanski. And I think anytime you can make the playoffs as the Browns did, winning games in the style that they did, you know, the decisions that Kevin Stefanski made in order to get the Browns there, I mean, it's you, you, if Kevin, I'll put it this way if Kevin Stefanski were let go tomorrow, you would have teams probably tripping all over themselves trying to get this guy in their building because he has built something with the Cleveland Browns that has not been there in my lifetime right yeah. you know so at least since 1999 and so yeah this is somebody i mean i i think that it's pretty clear that stefanski very in line to get contract extensions and, and they should you know they have done a tremendous job of really building a program and when you look at especially around the afc north right you you look at baltimore and you look at pittsburgh those those places are programs because they've had the stability and that stability has come from success, but it also breeds more success. So I think the Browns are on the right track with the leadership that they have in place. One last coaching question. Jim Harbaugh, where is he going to coach next year? It appears the Chargers are the front runners. And, you know, he's reportedly going to meet with the Chargers this week out here in Los Angeles. And I think it makes sense for them. They need somebody that brings instant credibility, especially after all of the stuff that went with Brandon Staley and him just, you know, being very, very, uh, a little overconfident sometimes, I guess, in his scheme and what he was trying to implement there. And then the defense just was never that good. You know, Jim Harbaugh is going to be able to build something. And he's done it pretty much everywhere he's been. He wears on people, yes. But I think right now, especially, Justin Herbert needs to go from good to great. They're paying him like a great quarterback already. So I think Harbaugh is somebody that can take both him and that team to the next level. We always talk about how much talent the Chargers have. All right, let's actually see that. You know, I think Jim Harbaugh can come in there and elevate it. Miles, great stuff. Thank you so much for popping on with us. This was a lot of fun, and I would definitely love to do it again. Real quick before we sign off with you, tell everybody where they could find your work over at Pro Football Talk. Absolutely. Profootballtalk.com. And then also co-host the Peter King podcast. So you can catch that wherever you, you find your podcast and also on the NFL on NBC YouTube page. Check it out. Cool. Thank Miles so Simmons. Thank you so much. Thanks. All right, guys. Take care. Thank you. Wow. What a talk. Great, great, great. Catching up with a Cleveland guy who's out there now in California covering the National Football League. And I think we got a, a clearer perspective on what happened with the Browns on Saturday and some fun stuff from around the league, too. Yeah, you get kind of a 10,000-foot view when you start talking to national guys, especially with the local focus. He's obviously a fan as well, so he's got that inside knowledge. But he also takes the perspective that, hey, Kevin Stefanski's done a good job with an injury-riddled team. We're going to go as far as Deshaun Watson takes us next year. It'll be interesting to see if all that coalesces and all comes together the way he kind of described in that interview. Yeah. We've got some fill in the blank. We can take a break and come back and tackle that. Yeah, but I'm ready to fill in some blanks. All right. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back right after this.
Welcome back to the Big Play Cleveland show. We are ready for some fill-in-the-blank with you. And uh, I know, sorry to rehash all the pain here, but blank deserves the most blame for the Browns' playoff loss in Houston. I'm going to hang it on the defense. I'm going to say the defense. Uh, Our calling card all year long has been defense. It's been Jim Schwartz being able to scheme Miles Garrett up until really December, getting after the quarterback, our secondary, playing some great man coverage, and really solidifying the bedrock for what this team does. We knew there were going to be challenges on the road. We've known that for a long time. This team plays great at home, has a tough time on the road for that defense. We needed the defense to step up, and quite frankly, Nick, They weren't there when we needed them the most. No, and that was so disheartening because we did need them. You know, when you have a quarterback that turns the football over like Joe Flacco, we relied so heavily on that defense and really did all year. And they were there for the Browns throughout all the trials and tribulations of Deshaun Watson and his tough, rusty start. DTR, P.J. Walker, Joe Flacco, and then really just the wheels all fell off of everything on the end of the defense defense of Joe Flacco it really felt like the magic of this year just all ran out in Houston on Saturday yeah the defense really kind of brought down Flacco I thought there in the second half he's trying to push a little bit it was first and 10 I don't know why he's pushing on that play makes the unfortunate throw pick six back-to-back pick six and the rest is history unfortunately I think for that defense JOK is about the only one that showed up for yeah, an extension coming soon, too, for JOK, right? And I know all the sound bites that were going around, you know, our, our Greg Newsom, our guy, I don't know what his future in Cleveland might look like. You know, that was not, awful. It was, a, it was a bad performance. And then, too, there's there's questions, Chris, like, like leave that one game out for Newsom. You got to start paying these guys. JOK needs paid. Martin Emerson Jr. needs paid. These are guys because the Browns don't have first round picks. They had to find later in the draft a second round pick for JOK, a third round pick for Martin Emerson Jr. That means you don't have the luxury of that fifth year option like you have on a guy like Greg Newsom. And I think that now that the page is quickly flipped to offseason, these are conversations that Andrew Barry has to have. Is Greg Newsom's future in Cleveland? I'm not so sure, and not just him. They're going to have to ask that question about a bunch of other guys too. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how they retool next year for the defense because you don't see a whole lot of changes, but there are some of those key guys, you know, opposite Miles Garrett. What do we do with Zadarius Smith? You yeah, know? Shelby um, Harris is a free – I mean, 26, I think, free agents on this roster. That's no joke, and I get the key guys are under contract, but – 26 is a big number of guys that could potentially be heading elsewhere. Especially in a 17-game schedule plus playoffs, you need depth right? in today's NFL. So that's where those players really come in. How about I will remember the 2023 Browns season as? Bittersweet. I think a lot of people are are really riding the high at the end of the season. We were really excited. Flacco mania had taken over the city. We had t-shirt companies that were making a, a dime and a mint off of Joe Flacco. And it was great to see, you know, you see that energy. I've talked about it so many times of my youth and how much it meant to me to see this city just electric for the Cleveland Browns. And it was nice to see that again, but to have it end the way it did, that was really rough. Cause I, I had said before that we were kind of playing with house money, but at the end of the day, you've got to cash in a little bit. You can't just totally fall down. That Joe Flacco that we loved was not there on Saturday. That defense that we fell in love with 
was not there on Saturday. Kevin Stefanski, the Kevin Stefanski that we watched grow before our very eyes, was not there on Saturday. So very disappointing. I will look at missed opportunities with this team. Yeah, same here. It's it's missed opportunities, and it was such a fun ride, and I'm thankful for so many moments of that ride. Like you said, you know, Flacco fever. We'll never forget any of those games. We'll never forget Thursday night football, being able to clinch the playoffs at home in Cleveland in front of that crowd in primetime and how electric fl- that was. a Flacco jersey now. That yeah. always remind me of that. Yeah. I think you do too. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I just can't – I'll never be able to shake that – they did, you know, miss a massive opportunity. And maybe none of this matters. Maybe 2023 ultimately becomes the year that the Browns bought in. You know, the year that Kevin yes. Stefanski rose above the noise, was able to earn himself a contract extension in Cleveland. But I think all of that depends on next year. All of that depends on Deshaun Watson coming back and be able to perform the way that he did when he was a member of the Houston Texans. We talk about it so much, and it's getting old to talk about. But I think we got to wait to see how to judge 2023 to what happens yeah, next year. It's weird. It's weird to say because I know I can obviously understand the the reasoning behind bittersweet, but I'm also kind of like it was sort of rejuvenating. The city yep. just came alive. And like you said, Nick bought in. This was a different season. The the energy and the not even just the vibes because we're I know we're always like, this is the year. But it was the fact that we were putting our money where our mouths were and we were winning, you know, winning, winning, yeah. despite all of the adversity. So I, in a weird way, I really thought it put some life. It was a rejuvenating in a sense. Um, the MVP of the 2023 Browns was? I'm going to say Joe Flacco. I think him being able to come in, the Flacco mania, the Flacco fever that we were feeling – in the NFL, it's so quarterback-driven. I know every single player has their role on a team, but it's so driven by the quarterback in this league. When Deshaun Watson went down, and it, we proved that we really didn't have a viable backup, and we went out, get Joe Flacco. We're always going to remember those pictures on social media of him on the plane, but him <laughs> being able to come off his couch, come into the offense, and move us. If that doesn't happen, then nothing else happens. I don't believe that the defense is able to withstand and, and do their part quite as well as they do when they look across the field and have a quarterback that can't move the ball and keeps them on the field for as long as they did. So I really think that Flacco saved the season. And ultimately, as in Cleveland fashion, he helped throw it away there at the end, too, with the turnovers. <laughs> Flacco giveth and Flacco taketh away, right. Chris. I, I felt right. bad that it fell on his shoulders at the end. I was like, not Me my too. guy. <laughs> I, I'm going to go with, with a surprise because it was somebody that I had given so much grief to, and I just needed to see it this year, and I saw it. That's Kevin Stefanski. He kept the car on the road, and that's really all you could ask from a head coach. I watched so many football games this year that weren't Browns games. And it helped me realize how many of these coaches truly are morons. And Kevin Stefanski is not that. I really think he did a great job navigating the trials and tribulations of this season. And he was a catalyst of getting these Browns to buy in. How many times did we hear players say, you know, just go 1-0 and and start stealing some of Stefanski's mantras? To me, that's the markings of a good head coach. I think the Browns found a good one. And I would love to see this extension happen now, guys. Let's get this extension out of the way now. So next year, you're not playing the game like the Cowboys played with Jason Garrett, where you're living and dying with every win and every loss. I know that the coach is really good. I got to see it from the quarterback now. I want Stefanski here to stay. All right. You know what it really sold me for Stefanski? I, this told me everything I needed to know about the relationship he has with the guys was when they floated that video of him telling Najoku that he can't kick the 
He was oh, like, yeah. no, you can't effing keg. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can tell he has definitely built all of that. He's very smart, but he He's also has, has a really players, great relationship yeah. with yeah. the players, and that's huge. It's very telling. Um, okay, the Browns' biggest need this offseason. Nick, you were talking about changes and free agency and all that. Receiver. Find me a receiver. Find me a legitimate NFL wide receiver. I've been crying for it since the days of Josh Gordon. We got oh, Elijah Moore last year. Come the, on, that wasn't satisfactory. Screw off. No, I guess I get, you know, then that, that was crazy at the time because people were making the Debo Samuel comparisons yeah. and that he was going to run the ball out of the backfield. Gag me. Find me a legitimate <laughs> NFL wide receiver, please. Amari Cooper is going to be 30 damn years old. I got to find somebody that could catch the ball and run with it. Bring in DeAndre Hopkins. The Titans are a nightmare now. You could replace Amari Cooper potentially with a vet there, but you got to build out some depth in that entire receiver room. I want no excuses for Deshaun Watson next year. And that all starts with finding a receiver. And you know what? I agree with you on this one. I think their biggest need is wide receiver. I'll tell you a secondary one, though, is running back. And fortunately, we get that running back back. And Nick Chubb, I hope that he's back to being the Nick Chubb that he was before he left us and went down to injuries. So I am excited to see Nick Chubb back in the Browns uh, backfield next year because I think that's going to be a game changer for us. Absolutely. All right. That's a wrap for our fill in the blank. We're going to take a break and then we'll be back with some big play bets. Don't go anywhere. Alrighty, you could bet on the NFL playoffs with us literally the rest of the way. Yeah, just because the Browns are out doesn't mean that you have to be out. You could still have a skin in all of these games with our guys at Typico Sportsbook, not to mention Cavs in full swing. College football futures are up now. You could bet the Buckeyes, who have returned a ton of players on that squad to win the national championship next year. But it all starts with one decision, and that's your decision to download Typico Sportsbook. Download Typico now. When you do, use promo code CLEVELAND100. That's all caps, all one word. CLEVELAND100. When you bet $25, you're going to get $100 bet credit on us to use. Uh, Typico, check out our big play boosts that we're putting out there every day, giving you guys the best odds on your favorite Cleveland sports teams, your favorite sports players. You got to be 21 years or older to gamble in Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLE. You guys ready to take a look at some bets this week? Because, man, wild card weekend was not friendly to your boy. No, Lost a here. lot of money, and we got to find a way to bounce back here. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> let's see what we've got. I, You know, these playoffs have been so deep with different storylines for each of the games. All of them bring a different sense of intrigue, and I, I think the NFL has really got to be happy with the product that's on the field right now because, you know, you're seeing some storylines really play out this year. All right. Speaking of storylines, real quick, we, did, we, we didn't address, like, how we were all talking about the Cowboys game, and then look what happened. Chris called it. That's right. Speaking of the storylines, right? The Cowboys <laughs> being the Cowboys. We see wow. it once again at home. Everybody jacked up down there in Dallas ready for this game, and you see what happens. The Jordan Love show. I mean, the Packers showed up in a big, big way on Sunday, and that was just – that wasn't 
at all that surprising because it's Dallas, but still to see it play out that way and just be that dominant. And I think a lot of people saw the picture of the two kids that presumably in the same family, the one who happened to be a Dallas fan, the one who happened to be a Packers fan, and the Dallas fan kind of laying down on his mom's lap, the other kid going nuts. I mean, the dichotomy <laughs> of sports right there, and it's amazing to see it played out. And that's what you see in all these games. And it, Thank you, Dallas, for being I know. Dallas. It, okay, it kind of lessened the blow for us. It did. It definitely did. That's for <laughs> sure. And Chris was right. The Cowboys blew it. I, I just want to say, too, before we go into bets, I love Stephen A. Smith. I absolutely love him. Going right at Dallas. I mean, right at and Dallas. he always does. He he never misses. Like, he always delivers. Like, after a Cowboys loss, always. I know I could go right onto Stephen A. Smith's Twitter and find him <laughs> ripping the Cowboys to shreds. He just does not miss. So thank you, Stephen A., for that. All right, let's look at some of these bets. Speaking of those Cowboys, we'll talk about the team that beat them. The Packers open up as 10-point dogs on the road. But it's against the San Francisco 49ers. So I think we understand where the odds makers are coming from here. Did Tipico disrespect the Packers in your eyes, Chris? 10 too many. Yeah, 10's a lot of points there. A lot of points. Kyle Shanahan, of course, knows the Packers. He knows the Packers in the playoffs. This is going to be the third time now that he has faced the Packers in the playoffs. And we know his level of preparation from the 30-point PowerPoint he put together here in Cleveland to get out of town, that he's going to be ready for this playoff matchup. But I'll tell you what, I'll go back to it. Jordan Love, what a fantastic game for the Packers. Uh, You know, the Packers just seem to land into a good spot time after time, and now time again at that quarterback position. Jordan Love joins Baker Mayfield, we know very well, and Aaron Rodgers is the only QBs to lead their teams to over 40 points on the road in their first playoff game. Wow. Which is pretty amazing. So uh, kudos to him. Kudos to what the Packers are doing. And maybe I'm a prisoner of the moment. I think 10 points is, is a lot of points there. I think the Packers can cover on the road. We, yeah. we beat the 49ers. I don't know. I was looking at it from that standpoint and what the Packers just said. I, I agree with you, Chris. 10 kind of feels like a lot. Yeah, and they've got inconsistency, just like we saw at Cleveland uh, with their kicker, Jake Moody, right? Yeah. He misses that big kick. He's missed some kicks since that time. So if this comes down to being a close game, look for Jake Moody potentially to either make or miss the game winner. All right, I'm going to be the difference here. I'm going to go with the 49ers. You're going to have them covered. I'm going to have them covering this 10-point spot, and that's because in the playoffs, especially when you go deep into the playoffs, it starts to rely on your superstar players. I don't know that Aaron Jones could emulate that three-touchdown performance that we saw from him against the Cowboys. I truly would bet the under on Aaron Jones because that's the kind of player that he is, you know, really hot one day, really off the next. And the 49ers are rested. They have so many superstars with George Kittle, Debo Samuel. Those are the kind of guys that you lean on come playoff time. I'll go 49ers minus the 10. That's a lot of points. And I'll parlay it with the Debo Samuel anytime touchdown. Mm. Well, that hurt me earlier in the season, so I'm not with you. (laughs) All right. Oh, good. Guys, let's pivot. After watching wildcard round, who are you betting on to be in the Super Bowl this year? I'm going to bet with my heart here. Okay. As opposed to with my head. Give me the Bills. Give me the Lions. 
Love the Midwest love here. You know, it's kind of tough being in Cleveland sometimes for those two teams to see them have some success. It's a bit like your neighbor getting a nice car. But in this case, the neighborhood's been kind of beaten down uh, for years and years. And really, you don't see that Midwest love in the Super Bowl because you tend to see West Coast teams, East Coast teams. You don't see the teams here in the middle. So I'd love to see both of these fan bases back in the Super Bowl. I think that would be a fantastic time. You said Bills Lions. I did. Okay, yeah, that's a good, that's a good hopeful one. Um, it would be. I don't know, Nick. What do you think? I'll go. I'll go different. I'll do like a non-emotional straight because chalk. I'll go yeah. straight chalk. Straight chalk. Give me Chiefs and 49ers. I think the that's Chiefs right. found something. You had Taylor Swift up in that suite doing the swag surfing, and that was kind of cool yeah. to see. I'll, I'll go with the Chiefs to make it back. Mm. I think they've kind of righted some of their wrongs, and 49ers can't be a bad pick either i think they're like plus 160 right now to win the super bowl outright far and away betting favorites gab any thoughts on taylor swift she's kind of cold up there i don't know that's kind of cool that's a that's a good point about swift i would like to see her in the super bowl um and i think they found some magic with it again like they yeah i i personally i like the swag surf thing i don't know i, I love do that, i love that everyone's up in arms i'm like what do you this is great this is awesome these are two amazing worlds colliding and love it or hate it it's great to see them come together yeah so. people having fun in a football game i'm yeah. not gonna get mad about that right, right. It, i i actually love it so that's a good point let's let's put t swift in <laughs> And, uh, the fighting T Swifts. Shoot, I don't know. Of Kansas uh, Han City. Hanford would want me to pull for the Ravens. So, yeah, for all, all right. Newsome. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah okay. All righty, we are going to step aside, wrap the show, more of Big Play Cleveland right after this. All righty, welcome back to the Big Play Cleveland show. Man, this has been a lot of fun. It's been therapeutic in a way. Yeah. You know, I love doing last week. We had the the pre-playoff show where you're able to really get amped up. I hate that this is the outcome and that we have to talk about a Browns loss, but it's therapeutic in a way. It yeah. is. We were supposed yeah. to be hosting the Dolphins this week. That's what I was <laughs> looking forward to, right? A playoff game at home in Cleveland, it would have been nuts, especially with it being like zero degrees right now. Do you imagine? It'd be like Kansas City was or Buffalo is going to be. It's uh, The weather has really dominated a lot of these games, and I cannot wait until the day when we get to host a game and we get to get our defense out there, get them into Cleveland, playing in our weather in front of our fans, you know? Yeah, that will be absolutely magical. Chris, I can't give you a Browns home playoff game. You know what I can give you? You can give me some Cavs action, probably. Cavs action. There you go. Cavs at Magic coming up this week. Who wins? The Cavs are red hot. Yeah. Nine and three over their last 12 games. After starting around 500, they've really separated themselves. Currently the four seed. Got their eyes set on that three seed. Cavs are looking good. They are. And I've, I've got to ask you a question, Nick. You know, a few games ago, I was dogging Jared Allen a little bit. Since that time, he has been on fire. He's been playing very, very well and very good basketball. With Evan Mobley not out there right now, what is going on? Is there a dynamic there that we may need to be worried about when Evan Mobley gets back? Is Evan Mobley potentially holding back Jared Allen? Or is it the – I always thought it was the opposite way around. Yeah, I mean, we got to see. We got to see what happens when Evan Mobley does come back. But I think once you get everybody healthy, Evan Mobley and Darius Garland, I think one thing is – definite and that's that you got to keep Jared Allen involved I felt like 
a lot yeah. of times and he just doesn't he's not an assertive guy by nature so I would look at JB Bickerstaff like find ways to get Jared Allen touches throughout the game because we've seen he can be very good offensively and we know what he is as a rebounder too so yeah they got to figure a that nice out Chris. block on Wembley by the way very nice have a poster moment there <laughs> this would be a fun game to go to or some of these games yeah this one I think that one the Orlando one is in Orlando, in Orlando that's that'd be I'm really saying. nice right that's what now. I'm saying that would be a fun trip because Orlando 13 and 5 at home Cavs are 9 and 7 on the road I don't know and the Cavs have been hot this would be a fun little road uh well not road trip dude you, I think you're just looking to, trip down to I think you're just looking to go it's, on vacation because you were tweeting about here. spring training I too I think Cavs was trying to get out of town I'm just trying to get somewhere warm and sunny <laughs> It's, All right, guys. My fingers are falling off. What a show. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Big Play Cleveland Show. Make sure to follow us on social media. Follow all along with all the other Big Play shows and their hosts as well. And we will see you guys next week.